Welcome to the Directing Animation Livecast with Scott Weiser. Now that I'm done directing the development and first episode of the second series of Space Station Animation, I'm joining up with Steamroller Animation to push the boundaries of the art form. Thanks to the support of so many of you, I'm continually developing more than 10 dynamic feature film pitches while mastering the art of telling deeply meaningful stories. Today, our guest is Eric Kennig, who has an amazing career in the past. He was telling me before the show that a lot of people who were in hand-drawn animation had to transition to CG animation, but he was able to actually stick with hand-drawn animation. And he worked on projects like Prince of Egypt, uh, the Ticker movie, and uh, more recently, he directed on several episodes of The Simpsons. And he is the first director, one of the first directors on... Uh, Housebroken, the new series with Fox, is about pets, but it's in the style of Simpsons. Uh, the clips I've seen are very interesting and very fun, and he continues to direct on that today. Uh, anything else you'd like to add to that intro, Eric? No, it's, uh, I, I've been really lucky. I've had a, a really fun time in the animation uh, business, and uh, like I said, I feel really lucky to, to be doing it. It's a wonderful business uh, filled with lots of silly goofy nerds and we all get to play together and make cartoons isn't that true isn't that true <laughs> yeah and you have a poster of a film that i've never heard of on the back of your uh on your wall so yeah i'm a big uh, uh republic serial this is a republic serial but obviously uh indiana jones uh, uh fan so i i you know uh Got I deep dive into Indiana Jones and learned about the history and then the Republic serials and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I was able to get some original posters, which I, I love to collect. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So um, you wanted to focus mostly today on Housebroken. Um, I'd like to just kind of hear a lot of that production. You know, a TV is sure. very different than a feature film or a feature film you have one director often or you have two directors and they co-direct but on tv it sounds like it's a lot different so let's jump into it yeah well i mean i think the big difference the you know the speed of the production you know i've i've, I've worked on both films and and television and uh you know obviously with a, a tv show you know you have to go much much faster mm -hmm. uh and uh you know and it's a mixed bag because sometimes when you're going whenever on a film and everything is so slow and precious, uh, you know, an average animator on a film ends up animating about a minute of the film by the time they're done. If they stay on for the movie, for the, for the whole production, you know, you can get really precious. And one of the things that can happen in feature films is some of the initial spontaneity, the, the gags that are the, that, that, you know, they first think of when they're coming up with the scripts and the, and the first passes of the storyboards. Uh, by the time you've watched them, you know, three years later, they, they're not funny <laughs> to, <laughs> to you because you've seen them 150,000 times. And so a lot of times then they go and they replace them. Uh, and some of the, the stuff that, you know, the original juice that was in the movie, uh, at the original outset gets lost. Yeah. With a, with a TV show, you just have to work way, way faster. And I'll, I'll walk you through my process, but you work so much faster that you, Things can't be as precious and you have to make compromises, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But also, you know, there's a there there is a little bit more a, a level of spontaneity and yeah. improvisation. And uh, improvisation is a big thing that I like to focus on and think about, you know, when um, uh, both in animation and, and in directing. Um, 
So my process, uh, I'll just walk you through my process real quickly. I, I will get uh, the, I usually actually would sneak in to our server, find an early draft of the script. Uh, <laughs> and, and then like, I always like to kind of start on it about a month before anybody else gets on it. And I will actually go through, we work with uh, Storyboard Pro and, and, and Harmony. So uh, I'll, I'll go through the whole script and I'll do a scribble board pass of the entire script, working out the staging, you know, uh, figuring out any kind of camera moves, anything that I, I want to do. And I'm talking scribbles because yeah. uh, it's it, it the the most difficult part for me about storyboarding or animation in general or kind of any kind of creative process in general is going from the blank page or nothing to something. Mm-hmm. And once you have something out there, then you can fix it. Then you're you've taken that thing out of your brain, you've put it out in the world, and now you can show it to people and see if they laugh. You can you can you freed up space in your brain for more ideas. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes, like I was talking about with improvisation and and your first impression, is a lot of times you find that your first impression is actually the coolest thing. Yeah. You know, and you're like, that was that was what I thought. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so I go through, I, I do a really rough scribble pass of the board and I break it up into sequences and then the storyboard artists start and we, each of the teams on Housebroken had three storyboard artists. It's the same with the Simpsons. There's three storyboard artists. They, uh, they have about three weeks to basically take, you know, I break the, se- the assign each of the sequences. Usually what I would do is kind of, uh, you know, the A story goes to one storyboard artist, the B story goes to another. So they're basically following the same character arc through the whole thing. Oh, that's fascinating. And, that's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they then can also like, they'll kind of get in a rhythm of drawing. Like if it's a chief, the dog in Housebroken story, then they get in the rhythm of drawing chief and, you know, and kind of can follow chief through his story. And so we, uh, so then they go through and they do, because we've had, already gotten kind of a little bit of a head start with the with the scribble pass then we have our thumbnail pass and we go through and we kind of try and tidy it up and and lock things down and all that kind of stuff and uh, then housebroken has this wonderful process where we then screen it and then you know and and housebroken by the way has been a show that's been remote for the whole uh, whole series we we started uh, in the middle of the pandemic and then just you know i came on i was on the simpsons Simpsons, uh, there was one of the really wonderful veteran directors named Mark Kirkland, mm-hmm. who uh, mm-hmm. he's directed more episodes of The Simpsons than anyone. Right. Over 80 at this point. And he had gone on to Housebroken. And uh, and so I, I you know, was a friend of his and he brought me onto it. So we have these screenings where it would be Mark Kirkland, the two show creators, Jen Crittenton and Gabby Allen, who are both wonderful people. And uh, also Clea Duvall. And uh, especially on the, she write, ends up writing about three or two or three episodes a season. So she would be in the screenings as well. And then uh, the editor and then uh, uh, the producer of Bento Box, uh, Joel, would kind of also sometimes be in the meetings. And we screen the, the episode and we just throw out ideas. And it was a really it's a really fun process, you know, humor, laughing, kind of uh 
seeing what works, changing things, chewing things up. And, uh, and again, kind of the fun of working rough at the beginning is that it's easy to change things. You know, you're not too precious. I think that's another element. Uh, there's a, you know, famous story with Bambi. There's a, a wonderful director named Jack Kinney who went on to direct all these, uh, um, the how to goofy shorts. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. Very, very funny guy. And he wrote this incredible book called, uh, Walt Disney and other sort of characters. And if you love animation, I highly recommended reading that book. It's just a, a really treat kind of, a, of all these great stories, behind the scenes stories of uh, making cartoons at Disney mm -hmm. in the golden age. Anyhow, we talked about Bambi and he, he had worked on, you know, Dumbo and other things where it was a bit of a faster pace. And then he got onto Bambi and they were, every drawing was, you know, pristine and they were just kind of tying things down. And he just felt like it was losing that spontaneity. And so I, what happens when in storyboarding and in script writing and in animation and, you know, and I, you know, I'm sure in music and all of that, if you get too precious at the very beginning, you're, you're, you're holding on too tight. You know, you make your, you know, the script writing thing would be somebody who gets caught right rewriting the first five pages of a script over and over and over again and they can't get past page five what i highly recommend with script writing is you do a throw-up pass where you get 120 pages out don't worry about punctuation don't worry if the story makes any sense it's the same process get it out of your brain and then you have this thing mm -hmm. and and with storyboarding uh it's the same thing throw it up get it out so you you have it there we have these wonderful meetings. We laugh. This doesn't work. It's nothing personal. You know, they, they, they're your first audience. They're, they have their vision, especially the show creators. You know, they, they've been working on the script longer than I have. They've been working on it for months. They have their idea of the characters. And then I come in. I'm just, you know, a little punk. I come in. I got my own ideas. And then we come together to their credit and their, uh, really wonderful about it is that they allow space for myself and the storyboard artists to be creative, to come up with ideas, you know, add gags, have our own interpretation of the characters. I, one of the episodes I directed this year is called uh, Who's Nocturnal? And there was this little montage of uh, kind of a, a spoof of Starchy and Hutch where the uh, little 1970s cop show and the, the script just said, you know, a montage a crime montage. Literally, it just <laughs> said that. And then we got to completely write it and come up with, you know, the, the, all the little gags and all that kind of stuff. And we pitched it and they loved it. And now it's, you know, like this cool little vignette in the in the uh, episode that we got to uh, create from scratch. So so then the uh, just to take you through the rest of Housebroken, we then we go through that initial meeting, the thumbnail process. Then we take another few weeks and we tie down the storyboards the when you're tying down storyboards in animation that's going to get sent overseas reality is is that there's no magic when it whatever you do is really what comes back <laughs> and so you know, you know uh, uh i always use this idea and, and all creative art animation filmmaking is an energy game it is how much, you know, how much energy do you have to put in this thing to improve it, to fix it? And that's as a director, your job is basically to be 
uh, an energizer bunny to be there to <laughs> cheer your, your crew on, make everyone excited, keep their enthusiasm, you know, right. spot the things that needed to be fixed. I, I don't like to work in a way where you're insulting people or embarrassing oh, yeah. people. Absolutely. I, I don't, I just don't, yeah, it's not, I don't think it, it, it um, producers want to make a change or you want to make a change. I always just think it's best to explain it to the board artists, go, this is why they're making this change because they did, you know, it doesn't hook up with this or they had a different idea or whatever, because that you have to basically build up their energy to go back to their desk and do it with the same enthusiasm that they did with, with their initial pass. You know, that same, you know, they might've had a gag that they were really fond of, <laughs> got a good giggle, but it just didn't fly. So you want to, you, you have to re-energize them to go back, redo that gag, but with a, with the same enthusiasm so that it, it becomes an even funnier gag, hopefully, yeah. you know? And, and so, so then we, we tidy up the boards at the same time that that's going on. There's a, uh, Hausbergen had the most wonderful art director named Hanya, who did just an incredible job. And, uh, so her and her crew are designing the, the, the basically the world, you know, all the different environments. The, you know, there's a, the character designer is working on any kind of new characters that might be in the episode. There's, you know, all of that kind of stuff. All the props have to be designed. Every little thing in an animation show has to be designed. And, uh, you know, the uh, to, to really go quickly back, I want to give a big shout out to our editor, to uh, yeah. Ryan Wick, who incredible and was in those meetings and part of that uh, collaborative process of coming up with ideas, changing things. He was a, he's a real film lover. And so he would go in and just, uh, you know, was really passionate about it, you know? And so just want to give a shout out to him, but yeah. he, anyways, to go back to, so while the, the, the episode is being designed, then also the, the next process is uh color. And we had a wonderful, uh, color artist named Jesse who would come in and and add just beautiful color. We had a, a episode that just aired uh, called uh, um, Who's Afraid of Boomsday Again? It was a sequel to one of the episodes I did uh, the first season uh, about 4th of July. Mm -hmm. And in the episode, the characters uh, uh, both fall asleep and they each character has kind of a dream world. And one was based on a children's book author and the other was based on Frank Miller, like Sin City kind of film noir-esque thing. Okay. And Hanya and Jesse just knocked it out of the park by creating these two completely different worlds within our housebroken world. And it was really fun to watch. So after the boards are done, then we have a timing director, Julie, who's wonderful and also amazing, really an incredible veteran. Worked on a, uh, uh, just a ton of incredible stuff. The timing in animation is basically they're going in and they're kind of describing in words what's going to happen in the scene for the an overseas animators. And they're adding any kind of little little bits of subtlety, you know, blinks, little scratches, little things. And there's, you know, any, they're also catching any of our mistakes. And, you know, there'll be times where the boards get sent back to us and we're like, oh, we didn't, we messed this up. And okay, we'll fix it. And all that kind of stuff. So their team does this amazing job. And then we have a post-production team led by this wonderful woman named Leslie, who, and the, I want another big shout out to Leslie and her gang, because the post-production people, or I mean, the uh, production people 
have this kind of slavish job. Uh, I would, you know, hear through the grapevine that they were up till four in the morning because they have to ship everything, they have to prep everything, get it sent overseas, work with the overseas people. And they deserve just a parade for the amount of work that these guys were doing. That's awesome. And uh, so then the- And I guess you have a fan here named Robert Downey who thinks that episode was stunning. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah. Yeah. That's nice to hear. Yeah. The yeah. um. So yeah, then the animation comes back from overseas and hopefully if we've done a good job, you know, there's not a lot of like, like dumb mistakes, yeah. you know, the characters popping from the one side of the screen to the other or whatever, you know, like kind of silly mistakes. The goal is to, to just not have as many dumb mistakes as possible because then a retake director can camp come on. They have another like two or three months where the, the, the writers can kind of look at the episode, rewrite the script, think of new gags. You know, that, that gag didn't work. We'll come up with something funnier. On The Simpsons, this retake uh, process can be something. Donald Trump said something really stupid. We can change the episode and put in uh, a new gag with, you know, uh, something more contemporary. The, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Simpsons has this mythos about predicting, predicting things. And part of that process is, is that they're right a couple of weeks before the episode airs, they're in this retake process and they're able to make last minute changes. Uh, and then the episode airs and everyone thinks like, wow, you know, how did they get that in something so, you know, contemporary or, or spot on in the episode? And it's because it was done just literally right before the episode aired. And so the, wow. um, so with, so with, you know, without that's fascinating. Talking, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The uh, um, well, and you there with a, some with of their predictions like are like three years in advance, though. Sometimes, like an episode well, comes yeah, out, okay. and it's like with well, the, the our, Simpsons, uh, five know, the years or whatever. Simpsons, yeah, with the Simpsons, the other part is is that they're all Harvard and Yale writers. They're very oh. smart. They're very you know in tune, and so they're you know they're follow the news and you know, all of these kinds of things. So they're very sorry. Well, even even the art of um, of rewriting like. With with a time gap in between it, you see changes in maybe the patterns in the world or the way you're thinking about certain jokes, and so even that maybe just kind of aims you in the right direction. It's kind of like a a slingshot type of thing where you have your first point, but you have another one, and then maybe that aims it better. I really love that. It's a cool, well, cool concept. <laughs> yeah, I uh, so the first season I was the the retake director, mm -hmm. and this season I wasn't. I I, I was lucky enough to direct uh, seven episodes this year, but oh, that meant nice they. They, the retake director started while I was still directing on the fifth episode. Of, and so they, because they overlap, for me, it was this interesting process of watching them polish up the episodes. And what I really loved was when they would do something and it was like, oh, that's so obvious that, you know, they, they fixed, this, fixed the staging thing or they simplified a gag. And it was like right in front of me and I didn't get it. And kudos to them that they fixed it. And I'm so glad they did. And, and I'm, you know, and, and then I would, it was, you know, really fun to watch. It's also, you know, an interesting process to go, uh, you know, you watch the animation come back. This is both on the Simpsons and on housework and you watch the animation come back from overseas. What, what works? What doesn't? Why, why did that come back looking weird? Why did that come back looking great? You know, a lot of times it, it's the quality of the animator, you know, the, the, the overseas animator, they have, you know, just they're a group of people. They have incredibly talented animators, you know, like Simpsons uses this, has been using basically the same studio in Korea for all 34 years now. Wow. 
and they have some animators that have been on it for 34 years and are, you know, mind blowing. And then they have some animators that are probably newer. And so when the veteran animators get it, you know, you come back and you're like, whoa, you know, that's incredible. You know, that's more, you know, that's, that's even better than I envisioned. And then <laughs> ones that comes back, you know, then you, <laughs> fortunately they have a, a bento box that does Housebrook and has this talented group of animators that can come in and, uh, and fix animation uh, that that's not up to snuff. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, and that's, and it's just a really fun to watch uh, uh, when they do that. And you just feel so blessed that they've, they've added something that, you know, to the episode. So then, yeah. Then there's a music crew and all of that kind of stuff and sound effects. And then the episode airs. Yeah. Uh, Bentabox is an interesting place. I remember years ago, I it, like my first CTNX. So it was the second CTNX overall, but it was my first. And I met mm-hmm. this animator and, or it was a story artist or a visual development artist. I, he did kind of a combination of maybe those last two things. And uh, mm-hmm. I asked him where he's working. He's like, I'm working at a place called Bento Box that nobody knows about it, that they will, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they do, they do great work. So yeah. It's really and then they really expanded. They, uh, you know, I think they're doing, uh, we're in a weird time right now with the strike. Uh, huh. We can talk about that. That's affected us uh, uh, across the board, unfortunately, but the, uh, but the Bento Box has, I, I don't even know, 10, 10, 15 shows going on. And obviously Bob's Burger and they have another big uh, Fox show. I think it's called uh, Crapopolis that's coming uh, this uh, September. That's a the Dan Harmon, the guy that did uh, uh, Rick and Morty, uh, his new show. And uh, so they uh, and uh, uh, John Hamm, uh, he also has his own animation show called Grimsmore that uh, was also done at Bento Box. Hmm. And uh so they they they're doing a lot of incredible stuff. I had a wonderful time working. It was the first time I'd worked Pento Box, and uh, and I had a great time. You know, yeah. I uh, didn't have the, the full experience because we we like I said we did the whole thing remote, and uh, uh, we can talk about that real quick. I uh, anyone that's working in animation now probably is working remote. Most of the studios, uh, I am. You know, shut <laughs> down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should we all the Simpsons. I was still on The Simpsons right when the when the pandemic hit. The, it took four days. Everyone, take your computer home. They, the, the IT wizards uh, uh, on The Simpsons figured out a you know server system that worked, and we kept on going. And you know, in the meantime, I had uh, uh, you know a baby, and I am in a lot of ways so grateful. I, it's a weird flip side of the pandemic, is as I've yeah. gotten to spend so much more time with my wife and my kid that I would never have gotten to yeah. personally actually probably like working remote uh, better than working in the office. But you do just, I, the part you miss is just the camaraderie, the hanging out in the yeah. kitchen, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, the Simpsons is a different show because it's, you know, the, when the, the Simpsons first started, everyone was really young. I, I have only been on the, I, I was on the uh, Simpsons. I started on the movie and that's 17 years ago, which is weird to think, but I started on the movie and by that and and in Simpsons terms, I'm a young upstart at the Simpsons because there's some people that really have been on there for the whole 30 years. And when it started, it was a bunch of young kids right out of school or this is their first animation job. And, 
they were silly and they were excited. You know, the show blew up like nothing has ever blown up before. And yeah, uh, and they uh, they hung out together. They went they had bowling nights and you know all sorts of fun stuff. By the time I got on the show, uh, on the movie, we were working eight, seven days a week. It was the craziest thing ever. We were, it, you know, it was this, you know, real grind to make make it through the movie. But the, uh, but then I when I went went onto the show, you know, everyone was, you know, at that point was having kids and you know and all that kind of stuff. So the the social life of the Simpsons is kind of mellowed out as everyone's gotten older, and so working remote i think at this point everyone on the simpsons was like ah we're fine <laughs> you know we'll, we can stay at home you know and uh and then with housebroken it's kind of a similar age group of, of people who we think is generally happy to stay at home the other benefit i was really fun on uh, on housebroken was we had a uh one artist that was in ohio and toronto and in thailand you know we we worked around the the time differences, but mm-hmm. I got to take advantage of their and these these three incredible storyboard artists, and so it was uh you know just a benefit of like that of being able to take advantage of some people that wouldn't if they had to all work in house you know so oh yeah we know, I have supervised animators from all over the world as well, and it's incredible you know it's it's fun yeah. to get all these different backgrounds and insights on things and just to kind of hear about. I can have a conversation at any point. Well, that's not true because we only overlap an hour or two. But, you know, we still find ways to to learn about each other and the, the, the different cultures and, and also to give this, you know, somebody an opportunity that we have a Bulgarian living in France. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, just like hearing his story why. and how he got to France and why he stays in France. And, you know, yeah. and then he gets to work for a company in the US and uh, he does fantastic, awesome work. So, you know, it's it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, I, I don't know how you work, but I always made a point of just talking to him every day. You know, uh, I could have sent him an IM and go, oh, can you fix their cheap's nose? It looks funky or whatever. But I would call and just, how you doing? What's going on? You know, yeah. especially during the uh, the heat of the pandemic, you know, people were some of the some of the crew were single and, you know, and it's extra isolating. And so I. Yeah. uh it's felt it's important to have some kind of human contact and even for myself, for my own, you know, need to just see other human beings. So, uh, yeah. what happened is we've all become great friends and family and, uh, and these are all people I care for, you know, and, and want to see succeed and, and, you know, and we are all fighting, you know, for the show and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to go back to like the energy game, I mean, not to be, it was never manipulative, but I always felt like as a director, it's important to, you know, you, you're really trying to get the crew to personalize the project. You know, it is something that they become passionate about. And if they become passionate about it, then they'll put that extra bit of energy and, you know, to it and do that extra bit of good, good. And, uh, you know, I talked about like giving each of the characters their own story, you know, a story, B story, et cetera. Because then they they personalize it, you know, and they're they're on that character's journey for that episode, and they they want to see it look great, and so so you 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 know whatever you can do to make them take ownership of it, uh, it's it's better, and and part of that is just how you doing, how's your cats, you know, what's <laughs> well, you know, what'd you do over the weekend, you know, and and knowing that they're 
they're feeling, they can feel like you care and you're their friend and all that stuff is, uh, is important to me just to, even yeah. just as a human. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah. If you're going to interact with somebody, you better make it good and lasting and a significant yeah. interaction. And I think, I think that about anybody, yeah. you know, I have a, a friend who has experienced very real racism in, mm. in Hollywood in particular and, and in life. And we have long discussions and about like what can be done about it. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you really have to, like when you meet somebody or see somebody, you have to like completely suspend your first reaction and just give that person a chance. Um, one of my best friends, I, I, when I first met him, I thought I would never be, I would never want to be friends with him, you know? And, and yet now he's one of my best friends. So there's gotta be, cause the problem isn't just racism, it's prejudice. Like we just prejudge everybody. Right. And so there's gotta be some, some time and space to really get to know somebody and make an interaction with somebody special, even if it's you know, somebody in the line at the grocery store or, you know. Right. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My grandma was always re- really good at striking up conversations with anybody and everyone. I always like admired that. And of course, like nowadays with the pandemic and everything, we, we, as a, you know, just everybody just shut down a little bit and a I, little bit, yeah. <laughs> you know, or a lot. And uh, I mean, I remember walking, you know, you the first year you'd walk down the street, somebody would be walking on, towards you on the sidewalk, you cross the other side of the sidewalk, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, now we have to, uh, you know, shed that, you know, and, you know, you still have those like moments, you know, uh, where was I? I was at, uh, I don't know, somewhere where we were, uh, in a big crowded room and you're just like, Oh, whoa, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, this is, uh, this is nuts, you know? So, uh, you know, I, I, that's, uh, I feel, uh, lucky for my daughter. She's, you know, She's not going to even remember it, and, you yeah. know. Hopefully, not. but there isn't another one, and uh, uh, and <laughs> she uh, she's going to have her own shit that she's going to have to deal with. Excuse my French, like uh, global warming or whatever that we're going to have to. She's going to have to, you know, that scares me about her future. But with mm-hmm. as far as the pandemic, it's going to be this distant memory. I feel terrible for kids who are seven or eight years old because I feel like they're they're going to have some scars that are going to take a while to uh, to heal from it, and. Uh, um, you know. Yeah, that's very true. So, that's very yeah. true. Yeah. And lots of stories and conversations will be written to that point, you know? So yeah. uh, hopefully we can, we can, you know, I think in, in some ways a storyteller is a healer in a way, like a shaman, you know? So we're, yeah. we're trying to take things from reality and weave them together in a way that is healing to people. So it's a good challenge for us. I just, when I, I went back after Housebroken, I've been back on The Simpsons and, uh, I, one of the episodes I worked on was uh, with this wonderful director, Gabe DiFrancesco, who uh, did an episode uh, um, where they replaced the uh, pandemic with caterpillars, and uh, uh, with a and Springfield gets swarmed by caterpillars, and it's a wonderful episode and a really wonderful way to kind of spoof the pandemic and remote learning and all this good stuff. If uh, if you get a chance, it uh, it turned out great. So kudos to him. Yeah. Also, what was the name of that episode? In particular, uh, what is it? Uh, um, um, the hun- I think it's hungry, hungry caterpillars. Okay, uh, interesting. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Now, I said earlier you wanted to talk a little bit about the writer's strike and how it's affecting. So it's affecting me and the studio I work for almost zero. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. But uh, I've I know um, of directors who say it's really affecting them. They're working. A lot, really busy, but it's kind of free work right now, just to kind of gear up for things. And yeah, it's it's don't work for free. Don't 
do it. Work on it. If you're going to work for free, do your do. Well, this would be like a director stuff. producer type. So um, that's that's a different type of role. It's not trying to sell. sell it's not somebody begging them to do it. It's the work they want to be doing to get right, their projects okay. ahead. Well, that's different. But that, yeah, that's yeah. what I would say. If yeah, agree do, on that. Do, yeah, do, yeah. Do your own personal projects. And by the way, I highly recommend that. I, let's let's talk about that real quick. It costs nothing to write a script. It costs the we you this computer that's in front of us all right now can make Lord of the Rings on this computer now. We yeah. all have the technology to 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 sit at home and make an incredible looking film. If your aspiration is to be a director or be in animation, the way to do it is to do it. Yeah. Is to make a film. Absolutely. Do. And or yeah. is to animate a scene. Uh, you know, you want to you want to be an animator. Grab a piece of uh, you know dialogue from you know a, a famous actor and animate a scene to that little bit of dialogue. If you you want to storyboard something, come up with an idea and storyboard it. As when I first got into into the business, I looked at certain films that I really loved. You know, The Bride of Frankenstein, Wages of Fear. There's a, a French film that I'm uh, really passionate about called Wages of Fear. I spent my weekends and I drew out all the shots trying to figure out what was going on. How was that? How are they doing them? How did the wages of fear is this great suspense film? And how did he do that? How did he make, how did he draw out certain sequences to build your tension? Right. All of that. If you're, you want to pitch an idea, if you know, stay at home, you have, we are all about, you know, to get laid off and have some time. Stay at home, work on a personal thing, work on a pitch. And the I prickle as now as a dad, I prickle at the term great. What is great? Great is nothing. Great is undefined. Michelangelo is great. Milk Call is great. Frank Thomas is great. James Baxter is great. Mm -hmm. They're great all in different ways. If you do a drawing and grandma loves it, it's great. And so if you stop yourself from doing things because you can't do it as you can't animate as well as James Baxter, you, you never will get to your, your personal version of great. Yeah. You know, and, and the joy that you get from, from creating something. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I think hoping you know with my daughter's two so we're it's a little early for this speech for her but eventually just trying to go you know if you want to play sports don't worry about like you know you're not competing with professionals you can look at them you can admire them you can you know study how they do things but if you you know wake up in the morning and you kick the ball farther than you did the day before then that's the success yeah and if you know if you're animating something and the first scene looks you know is the second scene is better than the first scene then you succeeded and if you're here you know in hollywood and you're pitching something and you you got a meeting with you know nickelodeon that's the success yeah you know you 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 know you went to ctn and you you met somebody from bento box that's the success. And, it, yeah. and each time you come up with, you, you work on something and it gets a little bit further down the process, then you are, you've done well. And then the, of course the hardest part, the second album thing is put all this energy into something and then you have to re-energize and 
try a new idea and it's so hard to do, but you do that and then you, yay. And yeah, yeah. you just keep going. One of them will land. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned the bento box thing. Uh, if you don't cherish each little win, you might not see the nugget of goodness that is in it. For example, yeah. that bento box friend, his mentor became one of my best friends. So I met his mentor through him. Well, kind of, kind of. He was there. He was there as part of the situation, right? So, um, and and it, it, he his experience of getting that job at Bento Box helped me see like the value that his mentor brought to a lot of people. And so I just started engaging with his mentor a lot. And this mentor became one of my best friends. He's one of the reasons I did the live cast. I've had I've had right. him on the live cast, Chris Oatley. Um, Disney character designer, but now he's a, a, one of the best educators I've ever met in the art space. And, uh, and another thing that uh, I really liked that you said was, um, oh, just like the whole, the whole thing you just said, uh, my good friend Brian McDonald said, I think in his book, Invisible Ink, he said, in order to become great at this, you have to be willing to be bad at it for a long time. Which means like you enjoy being bad at it for a long time. You're like, I just enjoy the process of, of, what step by step improving and and he uh yeah it's great well and and you know and 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 animation i am stand by that i feel like animation is the ultimate art form it is the <laughs> art form that encapsulates encapsulates music dance theater it incorporates the whole thing into one <laughs> art form you know i yeah. i goddamn but the uh but the there is something in it for everyone and, uh, you know, I had friends who loved to draw, you know, they would go to life drawing every day. They, they were real passionate about, you know, that and, you know, go to the zoo, they, whatever it is, they're, they're, they're really into the drawing for me. I like, I, I always like kind of the storytelling and yeah. I like working with people. I, Same know, here. I, I like the directing part of it. Mm -hmm. I like the working with people, but I like the storytelling and the drawing, you know, I, 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 it, it's, it's, it's a challenge for me, you know, it's, it's, and it's not, and so, but it is the ends to the mean to tell a story. And so I found when I was younger, I, I needed to focus on the energy that I had to telling a story to basically get me through, drag me through figuring out how to draw and, yeah. and that skill. That's how I am and, too. Yeah. I have three passion projects up here, personal projects, these mm -hmm. books. And a short film and a pitch now that's uh, being voted for in the Angel Studios Guild and just lots of different things. So, um, but yeah, for me, like somebody told, who was it? I think it was Bill Joyce. Who's like, if you're like me, you're drawing all the time. I'm like, I'm really not. Like, I have to have the storytelling little machine to get me drawing, right. to like kind of force yeah. me into the, the process of drawing. Where some people, their personal project really is just life drawing. They love going to that life drawing press. That's their personal project and that's okay. You know, everybody's yeah. a little bit different. Like you said, it's just, it's just the art of like engaging what you have in front of you and improving each day, each moment, just improving just a little yeah. bit at a time. Yeah. yeah. And listen, listen to yourself. And, uh, uh, but, uh, um, but yeah, let's go back to the strike. Yeah. Uh, we were the, the Simpsons is, is, you know, has a number of scripts and we're running out of work. So it's also, it's going to shut down. Bento boxes is shutting down. I think the studios that have uh, the writers that, uh, uh, that are working in the animation guild. So that's can keep going. And so that's usually like uh, Nickelodeon shows and, and 
that's a whole weird, and I don't even quite understand it, but there's a difference between the writers that are in the writers, writers guild versus the writers that are in the animation guild. Yeah. And from, I heard a story, I heard that it has something to do with, uh, um, really it's the studio that gets to decide which is which, but uh, I have no idea how that works, but we're, we're all here. We're all going to, I started saving my money a few months ago. Cause I, you know, just in case. And so we're going to have to suck it up and, you know, and then, and then just try and use the time productively, you know, to exercise yeah. and yeah. Uh, work on personal project and, you know, see friends. And uh, I like, I'm real passionate about traveling. Let me talk about that a little bit because there's a, you know, an animator, the director of uh, Brad Bird, he has a saying uh, in order to make good shit, you need to eat well. And yeah. Uh, uh, oh. I, I, yeah. And I love that saying because what it, it says to me is, is, you know, I think we started talking about this poster about Indiana Jones. I, I love Indiana Jones. It was a, a seminal part of, of my childhood. I saw, you know, when I was a kid and uh, all that stuff, but it wasn't just Indiana Jones. It was, how did they make it? You know, then I went, how did they make Indiana Jones? What was, who was Steven Spielberg? Mm -hmm. Who was ILM? Who was George Lucas? Mm -hmm. Then it got to what is Egypt? You know, what is, what is that history? Mm -hmm. You know, I want to learn about that. Then for me, what it was, well, I want to go there. And I've been to Egypt now three times and I've been to uh, 74 countries. I, I'm real passionate about traveling and about learning history. You know, went well, I, uh, it's important for me to, to, I, I idolize, you know, Indiana Jones as a character. Well, I, I want to be that kind of a human being. You know, I want to be the kind of person that's, that's, you know, travels and adventurous and does, you know, does, is not afraid of uh, things like that, you know, yeah. and so I, I've had, you know, incredible experiences traveling all the world. I like to backpack and I don't make any plans and I, you know, have gotten myself in the, you know, Buses catching on fire. You know, I missed a terrorist attack by an hour. You know, I've uh, gotten bruises and scrapes and all sorts of, you know, really fun stories, food poisoning, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff go down. And it's I love it. And, you know, and you and I can't wait to teach my kids about that. And uh, um, and just the, that, you know, then you get to, you know, then you're enriching yourself and then hopefully that's stuff that you can then put into your artwork and, uh, and, and your storytelling. Yeah. You know? So, uh, um, well, you actually naturally segued into the question I usually ask last, which is the get wiser moment, which is if, uh, if my goal is to get the highest clarity of truth into story, what approach would you recommend? And it sounds like you would live life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it is, it, I agree with that. It's, uh, and, you know, you, you absolutely get out, see the world, make mistakes, fall in love, break your heart, uh, have kids, all of it. And then, yeah. uh, you know, really great storytelling is truth telling mm -hmm. and good humor is truth telling. The, the funniest stories are always when you, you know, you're, you, you tell what actually happened. I got pantsed in, you know, grade school. You know, and, and, uh, you know, and the kids laughed at me. It's a, you know, painful story, but you find that, uh, you're, you know, you're not the only one that that happened to. Yeah. And, and when, when you open up that wound and you reveal it to somebody, you know, somebody or an audience, 
then the character becomes relatable. And, yeah. and, and, you know, we work in a business where we're really lucky. It's a very, like I, I mentioned earlier is, is we, we're really lucky. We're, it's a bunch of silly, sweet nerds who are really passionate. You know, we do this weird thing. You know, I remember, you know, I want to do animation. What is that? You know, yeah, it took yeah. me a while to even realize it was an actual job. Yeah. You know, my dad called it the Pixar yeah. thing. You'd be good at the Pixar thing. <laughs> Yeah. And then so. I, I went to Cal arts and, uh, I met, you know, some, I was lucky. I was with a group of really talented people, but there was, you know, one guy I, I particularly like to call out, uh, my friend Lou Romano, who, uh, Amazing. uh, you know, you know him, he went on to art direct Incredibles mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, and all sorts of stuff, really talented guy, but total nerd. <laughs> and we would, be really vulnerable with each other about being awkward and tell each other stories, or we would stay up all night and talk about star Wars. And it wasn't just talking about, you know, you know, nerdy stuff. It was analyzing how did the battle, you know, blowing up the death star sequence actually work light mm-hmm. versus dark, you know, yeah. organic shape versus, uh, you know, um, you know, um, metallic shape, you know, all of that stuff to, to how left versus right, breaking it down. And, you know, and being in high school and having these thoughts and not being able to form them and then finally meeting someone where we could we could talk about it and 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 discuss it. And then it then it was like, oh, my God, it was such such a relief. Yeah. As, uh, very cathartic. Yeah. yeah. And then and then to get into a business where we now can implement that stuff. Uh, it's just a, it's a pleasure, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, and I, I always just count my blessings. So. Yeah, me too. Me too. And we are actually um, just past time. And so it's time to end the show, but it was definitely worth going on that wonderful uh, exploration with you. And thank you so much for being on the show. Is there somewhere you'd want some people to engage with your work? I know we have your Instagram well, down in the show notes. Uh, uh, face, Facebook is probably the best place. I'm okay. not, uh, I, bar- I barely go on Instagram, but, uh, and, uh, uh, and then, yeah, and then please watch House Broken. It's airing on Sunday nights at nine, 9 PM. Simpsons, uh, will come back, uh, later, uh, I think in September or whatever, when awesome. the show start airing. But for now, there's, there's still a number of episodes on Fox and they're on Hulu. They're wonderful. I love the crew and we love, we've had so much fun making that show. So please check it out. Yes. Thank you. And until next time, I hope we all get a little wiser. Thank you for watching the Directing Animation Livecast, hosted by Scott Weiser, audio version edited by Kira Horowitz, copyright Scott Weiser, LLC 2023. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and ring that notification bell.